0: Recording progress. Oomsthape Yetched Heremusia. Served Avatar a Vasudevasutang Devam Gansachanuramadanam Devaki Paramanandam Krishna Vande Jagaturum So we were studying the fifth chapter of Srimad Bhagavad Gita. Where in the 7th verse which we studied in the last class, the verse is Yoga Yukta, Vishuddhatma, Vijitaatma, Jitendriya, Sarvabhutatma, Bhutatma, Kurvan Napi, Nalipyate. It speaks of the state of an illumined soul who is always in association with the Divine. is always in unison with the Divine. So that's why he is Yoga Yukta, the one who is unish in his, with his self, with the Atman. So for such a person, he automatically, naturally is pure. No tarnish can ever in any way taint him. He can never be tarnished, or she can never be tarnished by any tent, because he's always established in the self. All our so called sin impurities arise the moment we forget that we are the self and we get associated with the ego that I am this body-mind complex the idea that I am this body that is the root of all our attachments that is the root of all our obsessions or disgust or hatred all the feelings which we have originates from the sense that I am this body I am this body-mind complex so once one is established in the idea that he is a self the root of all the sin as we always say the core of sin is I literally it is true in English the word is alphabetically if you spell it S-I-N is sin the alphabet I is between S and N so literally also, the core of sin is I, and even spiritually speaking, the core of sin is the sense of I, Ahamta, Mamata, me and mine. So the one who has got rid of it, who is always established in the self, for him, he is bound to be Vishuddha is a pure soul, Vijita atma. naturally he has controlled the senses. Because there is no question of getting lured by the attachments of the world. Why it happens? It becomes spontaneous. Now for us to be detached is a question of will, that I have attachment, I have to use my willpower to be detached from them. But when we reach the state of illumination, our detachment becomes spontaneous. To understand that, let us resort to the example which Swami Vivekananda is giving that as a wandering monk when he was traveling through throughout India and he was at a certain time in the northwestern province he was in the state of Rajasthan which you know is a desert most of the place is arid dry desert and one day he was passing through that desert area where there were no habitation nearby and naturally as he was walking through that hot sun that that hot weather he was extremely thirsty and he was in search of water and then suddenly he saw a huge reservoir at a distance and he started proceeding towards it and as he proceeded somehow he felt he's not coming near to it and then suddenly it vanished and then that idea came. Oh, from the childhood I have studied about the mirage. I thought I know what mirage is. I had a conceptual knowledge of mirage. But today I experienced it. For the first time I have experienced. It is no more a concept. I have understood what mirage is. And that makes a great difference. What's that? Once you have experienced it is no more a concept. Swamiji is saying the next day again I am traveling through the desert. Again I see the mirage. As I am in my mind and senses, it's not that once I have realized it's mirage, it won't be appearing again. Again it appears. I see it. But there is a marked difference. There is a huge difference. What's the difference? Yesterday it dragged me towards it. Today it has lost the power to drag me. I know it's a mere projection. It's virtual. It as such is not any tangential reality. So it has lost the power to have hold on you, grasp on you. So once you are established in the self, once you have a glimpse of that, you have gone beyond the mind and had a glimpse of yourself, you may come back to your mind and senses. But now you know it's a mere projection. That another story which we relate. Very nice story that the father, along with the young, small son, was going to watch the movie for the first time and the father was explaining to the son that what movie is that there will be a screen and on the screen through the projector there will be projection and that projection of light and sound will enliven the screen with a hall in such a way that you will feel that something lively is being played enacted there in the screen it is there just in front of you The child understood what the father told, but by the time they reached the theater, it was already the movie has started. So now the screen was there, and it was a scene of the Mahabharata where Krishna was instructing Arjuna. Just the context in which we are at present, the Bhagavad Gita. He was expounding the Bhagavad Gita to Arjuna. That was the scene. And now the child sat... By the side of the father, and he was searching where the screen is. He told, Where's the screen? You told there's a screen. It was just in front. Just yes, you see, in front it is the screen. And now he saw in front that it is a Krishna who is instructing Arjuna. Arjuna is sitting behind in the chariot, and in front it is a Krishna who is there instructing Arjuna. So he asked, Is this Krishna the screen? Said, no, no, no. It's something behind that. Well then Arjuna is the screen. No, no, no. It's something behind. And then behind Arjuna he saw in the background the entire battlefield. The, all the soldiers standing in array just waiting for the battle to start. And he thought that was probably that array of soldiers, they're the one with the screen. So he went on asking his father, oh you're saying something behind. Yes, then whether that array of soldiers, they're the screen? Father couldn't explain. The sky, at last the final background the sky is visible the father couldn't explain he tried his best he couldn't explain and then the intermission came the interval all the projection stopped and now the screen was palpably visible now the son realized what the screen is and after that the movie again started but now the child was sitting quietly not disturbing his father now he have understood what the screen is and what the projection is. So once in our life, once, even once, we can see the screen be on which this projection is going on, our real self. Know it for certain, no one can ever deviate you from your conviction that there is the self on whom this entire panorama is going on, this entire panorama is projected on that. You are that self. Now you can again watch the movie, but now you are convinced. No one can ever waver you from that conviction because you have experienced. You become gata sangshaya, driran-ishchaya. All your doubts vanish once for all, and you become established in your conviction, driran-ishchaya. And that's the state which has been spoken of. The one who is yoga yukta, the one who is Vishuddhaatma. He becomes now vijitātma, jitendriya, they are spontaneous because no one can in any way get attached to something which is virtual. So he has become jitendriya, vijitātma, Bhutatma atma atma He sees the Self in all, behind that projection. Everything is the Self. As we were saying that in the simple words of Holy Mother, when you can see that the one who resides in you, resides in me, resides in every being, resides in the so-called lowliest of the lowly, know it for certain, you are established in that knowledge. So that's the idea of Sarva bhutatma Bhuta You got established For such a person, he need not renounce action. There is no need to renounce action, no need to undertake any action. He is just where the life has kept him. In the words of Swami Vivekananda, seeking not, avoiding not. Just in the flow, allowing the body-mind complex to go through the flow behind that is always established in the self. Though he is in the world of action, he is deeply absorbed in his contemplation. Such a person knows what real contemplation is. Contemplation can go on even in this world of action once you are established in the self. And that's the idea which was again extended, expounded in the next few verses which we took in the previous class, we are not repeating them but the idea, the one who is established in the self, he is free even when he is meditating or even when he is dealing with the world. Nothing can tarnish such a person. Now the question is, the one who is already established in that, he has transcended the dualities of life. But what about the rest of us? Is there no way out for us? Are we to suffer with these dualities of life? Sometimes we are in the ecstasy of happiness, sometimes we are dejected in sorrow, wherever the life takes us, with the flow, like a helpless straw, sometimes we are taken to that top of the wave, and again we are going to the depression of the wave, is this what our life is, is there no way out, and now in Gita, Bhagavad Gita, there are two very important words, one is Ruksha, and one is Aru Ruksha. One who is trying to ascend to that highest level of yoga, Aru-ruksha. In Sanskrit, whenever you find A is being used as a prefix, it speaks of encompassment from the beginning to the end. So Aru-ruksha, what it means? The one who is trying assiduously, without any, uh, what you say, uh, uh, interval, interruption, his patience, perseverance that have started working through him, his patient, his persevering and trying to reach the goal, continuously trying. Such a person is Aruruksha and yoga Yogarura one is already established in that. So what is spontaneous for the yoga Yogarura that when we take as a practice, I see a realized soul, the way he is leading his life, That I take as a sadhana, I try to imitate that. And that I take it as a sadhana and that will ultimately take me to that realization. So in Bhagavad Gita also we will find whenever Bhagavan is speaking of the realized soul, after that he will speak that this is the thing keeping in your mind you have to practice. So a few days back I was discussing this idea with one of the young students and he told a very interesting phrase to me, very nice phrase. What is that phrase? Fake it till you make it. Fake it till you make it. Fake it. Just at present I know I'm imitating. As we told, as uh, Swami Vivekananda used to say, when the young novices started joining the Belurmat as the young uh, brahmacharians, in his days the order has just formed the young Brahmacharian sometimes asked Swami Vivekananda, that please show us the way which can take us to the goal, that just chalk out a pattern for us, a path for us, following which we can also proceed in the spiritual journey. And the reply Swami Vivekananda gave is told that in Bengali the words are, Ja ta Dher vishikuraj. I have done much more than that has to be done. This this word in Bengali is not used nowadays. It is an interesting thing which we do even now. What's that? When the child is for the first time learning to write the alphabets. What? How they write? How they learn writing? The parents or the teachers first will write the alphabets in, a, in some paper or in some slate. And then they will hold the hand of the child and help the child to scribble over the alphabet they themselves have written. Just scribble over that. You go on scribbling over the alphabet that's already written. And then in no time, in a short interval, you will find after a few days, the child also has started writing. So by scribbling over the alphabet that's already written, we learn writing. So, Swamiji is saying that in life, all the alphabets we have written, how to lead the life, the alphabets of the life, we have with our life shown it to you. Now, just scribble over it and your life will be formed. So, that is what it means fake it till you make it. And that's the idea which will be spoken from the 11th to the 13th. 11th is four verses. But well, you are not established in that state. You are rukshu. you are trying. So what are the procedures which you have to adopt by seeing a realized soul? That becomes your sadhana and through that sadhana you too will get established in that yoga. And you need not have to wait for the happiness till you reach that goal. Even when you are practicing, if you are sincerely practicing, you can get a cash down payment, immediate some happiness you can get if you are practicing assiduously. So what are the steps that has to be followed? So that will be spoken of from the 11th till the 13th verse of the 5th chapter. So, now in our spiritual journey, there are two basic spiritual practices. One is long-term sadhana, And one of them is short-term. What is this? Short-term and long-term. Even we find that even when there is a disaster, there is a flood, there are two types of relief. One is short-term relief and one is a long-term relief. Short-term is immediately there is a flood, the people got cut off from all the resources, facilities. So even in India we do. With boats we will go, with the speedboats we will go, with food and everything. And try to give them food and sometimes uh, we uh, bring them to some place where we can provide them shelter so that's the immediate relief we have to provide for and now as Ramakrishna mission is doing this relief work for years together so we found that there are some areas which are flood prone every year it is flooded that's those are the areas where you are not supposed to have any habitat But in India, you know, because of poverty and all, people sometimes finding no place. Those lands are supposed to be abandoned lands. They go and start settling there. They're in the low river belts, which are flood-prone, which are not supposed to be habitated. But they have grown their habitation there. Now what to do? We cannot simply say you have to leave this place. Where will they go? So there is a distress relief, long-term relief. What's there in that place that we know that every year the flood will be there. And those people have to stay there. They have no other place to go. So now we help them building houses. In what way? That on the pillars, the house will be there. Ground floor, there is no room. There is no wall. Because if you construct wall during the flood, the force of the water may break the wall. So there's only pillars. So the water can easily flow through them. And through stairs, you have to go to the first floor, and there you have your residence. So these are the measures. So we help them in building that type of house. They don't get drinking water. Everywhere water is there, but there is they cannot have drinking water. All the water is dirt, dirty, polluted. But if somehow they can get the underground water, that will be pure. And for that, they have the tube wells, the hand-driven tube wells but during flood they are all submerged. So what we used to do on a high pedestal, on a platform, it would be raising. you have to go up by the stairs and there the tubewell is. So what happens even when the flood is there, the tubewell does not get submerged. So they can climb the stairs or even go by boat near the tubewell and get the fresh water. So these are the measures, these are long term measures which can help them to get rid of the distress. So in spiritual life also, to get rid of the suffering called life, lot of suffering which is because of the attachment. We all understand that we, like a bee, came to sip the honey, and our wings got stuck in the honey, we are obsessed with the so-called, the pleasures of life, and we cannot get rid of it. What's the way out? So there are also two types of sadhana. One is short term and another is long term. What is the short term? That in our psyche, there are innumerable desires. Our mind is nothing but a set of various stimuli response conditioning. That if I see something favorable, I get drawn towards it. And once I, I get drawn towards it, I never forget it. That... The thing which I, I have I've been drawn towards, I like, that remains as scar, as latent impressions in my mind. And again, when the favorable circumstance comes, immediately it comes back as memory. And again, I am drawn towards it. So that's my mind. is, And this each, subs, this, each set of stimuli response conditioning, that's a bunch of it which constitutes our mind. Actually, we don't have one mind. Even in modern psychology, they say we have innumerable mental modules. Each module is having a fixed stimuli response conditioning. And at a time, only one module gets activated. Which module gets activated? Who commands? There is no commander. As per the circumstance, the circumstance in which you are, automatically a particular module will get activated. And that module has fixed stimuli response conditioning. You are bound to respond in a particular way in that situation. But the mind has a wonderful tactics to befool us. It is having that fixed stimuli response conditioning. You are responding in a fixed way. But the mind will say, it is you who have decided. It's not that I am doing. It is you who have taken the decision. It is As per your decision, it is happening. It is actually the traitor what making me such a, such a big traitor of the mind is. It makes me believe I am just your servant. It is you who have commanded I am doing, but it is the traitor. It, and that gives us a feeling that I am the doer. You will understand that you are a different person when you are with your friends. You are a different person when you are in your family. You are a different person when you are with your colleagues. And you have no control over it with the environment a particular module gets activated and you are bound to behave in that way and but the mind makes you feel that you are the doer you are the enjoyer so this is the mind and again another interesting thing is that we have innumerable desires but all the desires are not activated at a time they are not even visible at a time as in our particular circumstance in life with our for birth is concerned, the species in which we are born, based on that, only a particular set of desires, mental modules, they can manifest. The remain remaining modules remain hidden. To give an example, this we just to uh, give to make this idea clear, we give this example that we believe in evol- evolution. We believe in transmigration. Most probably, we in some previous birth, we were the grazing animals. And as a grazing animal, we had our food. staple diet was the grass. We liked it. It was something we had a tremendous desire to have it, because that was our food. So if in our mind nothing is lost, everything is there, then as a human being, if the same mind which has transmigrated to the human being, the liking for the grass is supposed to be there. But as a human being, the... Only those modules which are suitable for the human birth, they only can activate. The other remains hidden. In our spiritual journey, most of us think, with my willpower, I will have control over the mind. But I can have control, with all my willpower, I can have control only of those mental modules which is activated in this life or in this situation. What about those mental modules which I cannot see? They can, they're still binding me. Again, when I get they get favorable circumstances, they will be activated. So to really get rid of desires one by one is impossible. They are innumerable. So many mental modules are there. Our personality is just like a will. Where the, but on all those desires, again. It's very interesting. What's the common point of all the desires, of all our attachments? The common point is ego. That I am this body-mind complex. Based on this, all the mental models have developed. That because of ignorance, I forgot I am the self. The self got reflected in the body-mind complex. I saw the reflection and took the reflection to be the real. And I considered this body-mind complex alone to be real. The ego developed that ego is the hub of my personality, with which all the spikes, each spike is one, each of the mental modules are the spikes, they are all connected. If I somehow remove one of the spikes, the will is still intact. The other spikes are still there to keep the personality intact. The hub is still there, all other spikes are there, even one or two spikes breaks, the will is still intact. So what's the way out? How can I really get rid of this idea of ego, this psychophysical, that I am this psychophysical entity and be established in the self? The way is if I can get rid of the hub. That's the common point. If I can get rid of the hub, all the spikes will collapse once for all, all at a time. So now there are two practices. What are those? The desires which are manifested. That I have to control with my willpower. Why? Because uh, otherwise I can never calm down my mind to do that long term sadhana. What is that long term sadhana? Constantly think I am not the body mind complex, I am the self. If you are a devotee, the same thing. I am the self, God is the Paramatma, our relationship is eternal, is something which is beyond this body mind complex which was, which is, which will be. I am in eternal companionship with the divine. So even if you are a bhakta, you are actually thinking of the self. Even if you are a jnani, you are thinking of the self. This constant thinking of the self to as if hammer out the hub, the ego. That's the long-term practice. But for that, I need a calm mind. If my mind is already agitated with the manifested desires, I can never practice. So first practice is, whatever is manifested, whatever is visible, there I have to practice detachment. With the detachment, I get a type of calm mind where all my desires are attenuated. They are still there. They have not vanished, but they have attenuated. They have got weakened. And that gives me the scope to calm down my mind, tranquil my mind for practice. And then I practice, constantly think of the real nature. And that in time helps to hammer up the hub of the will of your personality. To get rid of all the desire once for all. If the ego is gone, all desire falls off once at a time. So these are the two sadhanas that to take care of your vyakta vasana, manifested desire, you have to practice detachment. How the detachment? Through Karma Yoga. That I cannot simply give off my life just today I think I uh, just uh, life is an attachment so I stop working but Gita, Bhagavad Gita himself has in the second chapter Shadira Yatra for Shadira Yatra even to maintain your body you have to work you have to get salary you have to uh, sustain yourself the money you need how can you simply renounce the work Shadira Yatra even just for the bare maintenance of the body you have to work So I cannot simply renounce work and say I close my eyes, ears and go on deep in meditation. I have no connection with the worlds. I cannot do that. So that's why Bhagavad Gita is speaking of karma Yoga. Because for two reasons. One is Sharira Yatra. That even I cannot live for a moment without activity. And another is Loka Sangraha. That even for the sustenance of the entire existence we each have to play our role in which we are placed. It's a huge group activity where we each are playing our role to sustain the entire creation. So for the loka sangra, for the maintenance of the society and for my own sharirat, for the maintenance of the individual, the work has to go on. But it can be done in a particular way. I need not have to be attached to what I am doing. I can do it with a sense of detachment from where the detachment will come, that idea in the Bhagavad Gita directly and indirectly has been described in many places. That we should be nimitta matra, instrument, because this idea is very wonderful. Sri Ramakrishna, the gospel is also giving that idea. Suppose the mother is feeling that love for the child. We say that is the most pure form of love. Mother's love for the child. There is no attachment. But is it true? you will find that the mother expects nothing from the child, but she gets hurt sometimes. When the child behaves very badly, and the mother will say, I want nothing from him, at least he can behave nicely, that also he doesn't do. That speaks of an expectation. Why if that expectation comes? The mother thinks, I love the child. She forgets that the love which is in her heart it is not she who has grown that love. When the child was born, that love came. We are being built, we have been programmed in such a way that our genes are altruistic. I have to love. Seeing a poor man, I feel compassionate. From where that compassion come? I have been built in such a way. The Lord to maintain his creation, to Maintain his creation, he has given love in our heart, compassion in our heart. He is working through us, through those love and compassion which he has given in our heart. So we are just the channels through which he is working. He is taking care of his creation. I am just a mere instrument. If this idea comes, that love is not mine, I am not the doer, I am not the karta, not the bhukta, I am not the the doer, not the enjoyer. It is the Lord, he knows why he has done. The bigger plan, I have no idea, with my small mind I don't understand. But I know I have been placed in certain situation of life and it is He who is working through me. I am just a mere instrument. I seek not, avoid not. In whatever situation He has placed me, I go on without expectation, without avoidance. And that speaks of Karma Yoga. And then what happens, you start developing detachment. The mental modules are all connected with that attachment. So all the manifested desires are taken care of with the karma yoga, nishkama karma yoga. That's the way, that's the short term, immediate remedy you are taking. And now your mind gets calmed down. Because the mind is not constantly baffled by the immediate wants and the expectations of life. You are just going through it you know I am just the witness. My body mind is going through this situation as it has been planned by the divine. I am just the nimitta I am just the instrument in the hand of the divine. It is he who is working through me. And there it ends. I do my best. God is there to take care of the rest. There it ends. So your mind as is now not baffled by the expectations and once it gets settled down. And now you can think of of the Lord or of your own self. Meditation needs the preparation. Karma Yoga gives that preparation. If my mind is always agitated and I think I will sit down for meditation and it will go to the deep meditation, it is impossible. It needs that preparation. Throughout the day, I have done action with the sense of Karma Yoga. Then in the evening, if you sit down for meditation, your mind is already prepared, it's calm. Now you think of the self. I am the Atman. If you are a Jnana yogi, I am the Atman, I am the Self. If you are a Bhakta, I am one with the Divine or I am always in eternal assertion with the Divine. This life is just a passing phase. It is just a passing phase. But it cannot affect the real me. It was, it is, it will be and it is always in the eternal communion with the Divine. Whatever, if you are a Bhakta, you are Jnani, after all you are negating this limited existence. You are asserting, getting one with a real amnes. And this is the thing which is hammering your ego. Constantly hammering your ego. I am the Self. I am the Bhakta. This is hammering the ego. And this is the long term practice. In long run, the hub will be removed. And then you need not have to take care of the vasana I cannot take care of them. The unmanifested desires. They are all hidden. Most probably they will never express in this life. But they are there To keep that ego intact, my personality intact, how to take care of them by getting rid of the hub. They all fall off once at a time, and that's the idea with which now we will proceed to the next verses. The tenth and the eleventh. The eleventh verse speaks of that short term, the getting rid of your immediate desires, and the tenth verse speaks of that long term sadhana, getting rid of the ego. So. Uh, though the tenth and eleventh is the first is the tenth and then is the eleventh, but just to have an idea of the sequence of the sadhana, we will take the eleventh first and then we will go to the tenth. What is the eleventh verse saying? Kaina Manasa Buddhya Kevalair Yogina Karma Kurvanti So, how you have to do your work? That the body and the mind. Only with the body and the mind, the intellect, the senses, the yogis act without attachment for the purification of the heart. Kāyena, with the body, kāya, with the with body, kayana. manasa, with the mind, buddhya, with the intellect. So this is this body-mind complex. This is working. This is not me. I am behind it. I am the witness. Let the body-mind, as per the situation of life, work. Take decisions, work. But it is not the real me. I am in no way identified with it. But as we go on saying that Bengali, that uh, saying is very interesting, that We do just the opposite. You fake to be a Householder, never become a householder. And become a holy man. Never fake as a holy man. You'll find in the society we just do the opposite. We fake to be holy men, but we are extremely attached. But we want to make a show that I'm a very, very detached person. Just do the opposite. Let people think you are extremely attached. But from the bottom of your heart, you know that this all is just a passing phase that God has kept me as Sri Ramakrishna gives that example. When the maid servant who is working for the landlord stays in the landlord's house, came from his, her own village and stays in the landlord's house, working for the landlord. She does all the work meticulously. Anyone thinks she is extremely attached to this household. But if you can somehow poke into her mind you will find her mind is always resting in that village with her family. She's constantly thinking of her child, her family. But for the time being, she knows just to sustain herself, she has to be here and do meticulously the work she's supposed to do. So keep the mind in your own home, the real home, the self, though you have to work here in this world. So that's the detachment which has been spoken of. So with that type of attitude, go on working, let the body-mind go on work, let the mind be there. So this is the idea with which uh, this 11th sloka has been uh, expounded by Bhagavan, Sri Krishna, that when you are ha- in the work field, you have to work, then let the body, the mind, the senses. They get engaged with the world as they are supposed to be. But this Sangam Atma But there shouldn't be any attachment. With a sense of detachment, you have to go on working and work meticulously. The thing which has to be done, I do perfectly. It's not that, that as detachment means I do it somehow. Because after all, you are offering the work to the Divine. And whenever we are offering something to the Divine, it has to be the best thing. So what all faculties God has given me, I use those faculties as an offering to the Divine, and there it rests. So that's the thing which has been spoken of in the 11th sloka. And then comes the idea of constantly practicing. Once your mind is calm, whenever you get chance, now you should dive deep delve deep into the contemplation of the self try to be always established in the self Sri Ramakrishna used to give a very nice example one day he was returning uh, from some Calcutta some congregation was there of the Brahmo Samaj from there he was returning to Dakshineshwar and on the way at the house of the physician the Kaviraj, the physician that was on the way, and Sri Ramakrishna was supp- is the physician was supposed to give some medicine to Sri Ramakrishna, but he was busy; he couldn't come to Dakshineshwar. And now, as Sri Ramakrishna was passing that by, by that way, he asked the carriage to be stopped, and uh, along with Master Mahasaya, the the one who wrote the gospel, his nephew was also there, nephew of Ramakrishna. So he asked his nephew please go and get the medicine uh, from the my physician. Now as the horse carriage had to be there for some time, had stopped there for some time, The Im- immediately the cabman, what it did, it knew that for at least 10-15 minutes it will take for the person to go there, get the medicine and bring it back, it will take minimum 10-15 minutes. So it was not, now, in, in those days, there was not ready-made medicines like this, that you have the pills and all. It was all mixtures, you know, they have to they have to prepare the medicine, it will take time. And immediately the cabman, what he did, it relieved the horse. It was all buckled up, it relieved the horse, and immediately the horse went to the side of the road where the grass was there. And it started nibbling on that. And Ramakrishna is a master of examples. And seeing that, he told Master was sitting by his side, what he told, See, our condition is also like that horse. We are all buckled up with the responsibilities in our life. Now and then, the cabman, the God, He releases us, he gives us a scope, go and nibble, don't forget, take the name of the Lord, think of yourself, meditate. And that's been spoken of in the 10th, Brahmanyadhaya, it starts with that word, Brahmaniadhaya." Con- contemplate on yourself contemplate on that real nature that you are not the small self like a droplet being reflected on this body mind complex the word brahma means it came the word brahma came from bri dhatu bri means brihat that your real, real self is great it is not just this body mind complex it encompasses the entire universe the entire universe is being projected as this uh, uh, this the self is being projected as this entire universe. You are that all-pervading self. That's the Brahma, that's the great conscious, non-dual, conscious existence, which is you, which are you. So that is the Brahmani. I'll get always established in that, contemplate on that. That is Brahmanya karmani, sangam twa karotiya. Being established in that self. The one who continues in his life with the work without any attachment. Lipyate padma patram ivam It's a nice example. So though he is in the world, just like a lotus leaf, padma patra ivam Lipyate. Padma patra, the leaf of the lotus, it is always in water, but the water can never touch it. You will find that the water forms droplets and just simply Falls off from the leaf. The leaf is ever dry. That it can never, the water can never drench the leaf of the lotus, though it is always there. So be in this world, but don't get drenched by it. That's the thing. That be in this world but don't get drenched by it. How is it possible? There's two things. Without any attachment, go on doing the work and contemplate on the self. So with this what happens that all the vyaktavasanas, the manifested desires I am taking care of with this detached karma yoga and I am trying to get rid of the of vyaktavasana by removing the hub, the idea that I am a limited individuality by brahmani Adhaya, constantly thinking of myself. So these are the two practices which at last will help you to become like a lotus leaf which is though in the water is never getting drenched by water, water just simply falls off. So this reminds that when you get really established in the self, all the desire falls off once for all, that we think that I have to get rid of my attachment one by one that never happens. The real detachment when it comes, it happens once, all the desire falls off once for all. You know, Just once you have the glimpse of the self. We read the gospel of Sri Ramakrishna, there are so many stories. We read, we enjoy them, but sometimes we cannot dive deep into the meaning because they are all based on the scriptures and realization. They have been spoken in such a simple word, sometimes we miss the point, the real meaning. One such parable, which we repeat again and again, is the parable of this idea that renunciation happens once for all. What's that idea? That in a village, a man was one day, just a villager, was about to go to have a deep in the village pond. And he was just, as he was going to have a deep in the pond, he was just wearing a loincloth, he's wrapped a loincloth and a towel on his shoulder, nothing else. And he was about to go out and then suddenly his wife remarked, stopped him and told, Oh, you are extremely attached. Well, what have you seen me that you say so? so I am so attached? Well, you just see my neighbour. Well, what have you seen in him? And he has 12 wives and he is renouncing them one by one. And this man, most probably he had some good samskaras. He told, oh, You are a fool. Can anyone renounce one by one? Do you want to see what renunciation is? and he went off. He was just wearing a loincloth and, have a shoulder, and I was having a towel on his shoulder and no one knew where he went. Just went off. Never came back to pack his baggage that I am going after all, so let I need some essentials. No. When the renunciation comes, it simply comes. It simply takes away everything. It washes away all the dross. As Sri Ramakrishna told Girish, that Girish told, I have done so many misdeeds, so many papas, so many sins. How can I get rid of them? They are vast. And Sri Ramakrishna told, your sins are like a mountain of cotton and it needs just a single small flash of a matchstick. It's sufficient. That will simply burn off the entire cotton mountain. It may be as high as the Himalayas, but it needs just a flash, just a small flash of the matchstick. He is to say, Kirish, a very interesting thing. Suppose a cave is dark for thousands of years, maybe millions of years. When I was in Sydney, went to that jenelong caves, limestone caves. and the guide was just uh, in, just giving his uh, uh, deliberation, he told that it's only in the hundred years back a Britisher, he was an explorer, British explorer, for the first time entered the cave, and lighted a matchstick. I remember, remembered it It reminded me of the Ramakrishna example. It took, the guide was telling, this cave was dark for millions of years. Inside it, the life is there, the life evolved in darkness. All the life forms you will find there, which has evolved in darkness for millions of years. No light was there inside. And this was the one who came and lighted the mastic and it got lighted. And what Sri Ramakrishna is saying is interesting. That the cave which is dark for millions of years, when you light a matchstick, it doesn't take another million years to get lighted little by little. Immediately it gets lighted. So the moment you get established in the self, all the darkness falls off once for all. Immediately it is lighted. It's not that it will be getting lighted gradually. And that's the idea. Lipyateena sapapena. Once you get established, now you may be in the world, maybe out, wherever you may be, nothing can tarnish you. You are free because you have got rid of all the desires. So that's the wonderful idea which is spoken of in the tenth. And in the after saying that, as a comparison, now in the twelfth sloka, what Bhagavan will be saying? The one who is attached and the one who is detached. What he's saying? Yukta karma falam tyaktwa shantim apnoti naishthikim. <inaudible> The one who has a nishtha, Assiduously practicing. What is the nishtha? The one who has this purity, patience, perseverance, the three P. Swami Vivekananda speaks of this three P, that the entire spiritual journey can be defined by this three P. Purity, try to keep the mind pure. It's not easy. Again and again, the monkey mind will take you away from your, this desired goal. It will distract you but have patience. Try again. Perseverance. If you fail, again you try. And that's the way gradually your mind will be cleansed. Don't get disheartened. In our, in our life, or when we are doing sadhana, sometimes it seems that years have passed, there's no change in me. All this sadhana is useless, but knowing for certain the change is happening. It's very subtle. You know how the shivaling is formed? On the riverbed of Narmada, the coarse rocks, they are lying there and the water is flowing over it. At any time you see, there is no change. The rock appears to be the same. But the same rock in 100 years, which apparently appears, there is no change in it. In 100 years, all its angularities get smoothened. It becomes that Shiva Linga, which we worship. So we become worshipable. You become something you will be you will will be adoring yourself. Forget about the world. The, the most needed thing in the world is self-respect. From the bottom of our heart, I know. Others may be respecting me, but I cannot respect myself. Why? Because I haven't become something like that adored Shiva Linga, where all the angularities have been removed. The mind has become so pure that it can be worshipped. And it takes time that's the patience, but at any time it may appear no change is happening, but know it for certain it is happening, so don't get disheartened and stop your practice, go on, go on and then suddenly one day you will find that change has happened suddenly, it's not that that now it appears nothing is happening and when the cleansing has really been done, the ego has been removed, in a flash the realization comes and now you are a changed person, be in the world be out of it Nothing can touch you. Padma evam bhasa. And such a person alone knows the joy of living. As Shankaracharya says very nicely, the only purpose of human birth is Jivan Mukti. Jivan Mukti Sukha Prapti Hetavai Janvadharana This human birth is to enjoy the bliss of liberation even while living. All the religion speaks of exalted state of existence after death. Gholaka, Kailasha, heaven, whatever you say, after death, post-mortem existence. We are not sure what it is waiting there. But I am sure of this life. I can enjoy the bliss which, which we all aspire for, even in this life. And that's what our scriptures are again and again asserting. Asserting that it is possible. in Bhagavad Gita, that in the last, Krishna will say, Arjuna, just go and declare that this is possible. So he's saying that go and declare it. It is possible. Swami Brahmananda used to say, you don't practice, you practice, and if nothing happens, come and give me a slap. Slap me. Because they have realized it is an assertion. It is possible. With that assertion they're saying. And when you get established in that, That's for which the human birth is. We at present, the entire society will find what we are doing. We are thinking that happiness comes from the enjoyment of the senses. And all the technologies, all all scientific advances, is just to make our sense pleasures keener. Nothing else. The entire human society is running on that equation. How to make our enjoyments more keener. But Swami Vivekananda in one of his lectures very nicely told, human birth is not meant for death. If you see, the nature has equipped the animals in such a way that they enjoy the senses. And we with all our technology can never think of enjoying the senses so keenly, so intensely as an animal does. Can we ever smell like a dog with all our science, with all our technology? Can we ever taste a meal with the same attachment that a dog tastes? Even if it's your own domesticated dog, you go where it is taking food, it will come and bite you. It is so attached to it. At the time of food, you shouldn't disturb. The tremendous, the senses, the taste buds, the smell, they're so keen. Nature has provided them with that. The animal life is for enjoyment. They do it keenly. With all our technology, we can never, ever get that type of enjoyment which the animals have. The human birth is for that. For what then? It's not for that. But we are the only being in the words, simple words of Ramakrishna, Manushi Akmatra Jeeva Je Bhagavan Chinta Kurte Pare. No other than to other. You can think of God, can think of the spiritual diamond of our existence, we the human being alone can do that, no one else can do that. As a human being, if we never try to do that, and if we never succeed in doing that, we look like a human, we are not humans. Manush, Sri Ramakrishna used to say that who is Manush? In Bengali, a human being is called Manush. And he used to break the word Manush in his own unique way. He used to say, Man plus Hush is Manush. Man means values, Hush means awareness. That as a human being, we have certain Man, certain values, which no one has. That uniqueness we have. Are you aware of that? Have you, have you the Hush? This Hush is there? is there of that mana. If you have, then you are manush. then you are a man. And that's the thing is being indicated by this line, yukta karma falang that is that such a person who has really known the art, the dexterity of work, how to do the work, with that detachment, he has, he's, he's, he has become a yogi because he is yoga karma sukoshalam. He has learned the skill of work the art of work, and has gone beyond this. all the so-called dualities of life. Others, ayukta kaam kaarena, sakto nibadhyate. So they go on, squandering in this life, just as the nature pleases. At one moment we think it is our degree, our qualification, with this I got the job, as if through eternity I am going to enjoy. Where goes your all Your skills, your powers with age, when it naturally, nature starts taking away. You are so much boasting. It was my intelligence. What happened to your intelligence? It was all the plan of nature. It gave you the intelligence. It takes you away. As you start growing old, you yourself feel. My memory is going. My intelligence is going. It is not we. We think it is my intelligence. Nature gives, it takes away. And we think it's mine, and we will and weep. When nature gives, we are exalted. When nature takes away, we will and weep. And that's going on for life after life. And that's the state of the Ayukta, the one who thinks, I am the doer, I am the enjoyer. So for them, say this Kamakar, Ayukta Kamakarina, Fale Saktho Niva, they are bound souls. So as a human being, you have that faculty, that skill to go beyond that. So in contrast, he's saying this, and the 13th, that in this section uh, where Speak of the sadhana, What is saying, Sarva Karmani Manasa, sukhang vashi Sukhangvashi, Navadvare Pure Dehi, Naiva Kurvanna Karayan. So the embodied being who has subdued his senses. This sarva karmani manasa sannyasyaste. So two things. He has renounced the action and then Navadvare pure dehi, the one who is aware of the dehi the one who resides within the body of nine gets. What are the nine gets? The two eyes, the two ears, the two nostrils, six, the mouth, the seven, and the organ of evacuation and the organ of procreation. Nine. So these nine gets in that, this body has nine gets within that one who is residing. This body is a wonderful thing. It's almost like a jail or uh, or like the operation theater of in a surgery if you go to the ot you will find uh, there are two doors to get that the inside the ot it should be sterilized purely sterilized no shots of germs should enter as much as possible so what they do there are two doors when we are entering through the first door the inner door is always closed it has to be closed and after entering the first door you will find all sorts of that's, uh, your disinfectants are there. You have to use them, put the mask. And then by that time, these are all automatic gates. The outer gate has already got spring door. It has got closed. And now you can enter the second door. So when you're entering the second door, the first door is already open closed. So our body is also like that. So they're saying that Dehi, there is a Dehi who is inside this body of whom we are not aware. Why we are not aware? Because these two doors will never open at a time. There is another door in the heart. If that doesn't open, you will never get aware of the Dehi, the one who is residing there. There is a very nice Tagore song. More. Bijane, Gopono, Bijano, Ghore, Akela, Rohecho, Nirabu, Shoyono, Pore, Priyotamoto, Jago, Jago, Jago. The one who is the most beloved. So he is residing lonely in the core of your being. Why he not waking up? Because the two gates won't open at a time. As long as these nine gates are open, we are interacting with the world. That never opens up. This parak and pratyak. This parak is outside. Constantly we are dealing with it. First we have to close this to interact, to open the inner door. And then you can interact with the Divine there. So, you will find that all our temples actually speaks of that architecture. You will find there is a Garvagriya, small Garvagriya. It is just like our heart. Our heart is a very small area. It is just angushta Matra Purusha. It is just the size of a thumb who resides in the core of your being. So Garvagriyas are dark and it's a very small area. The Nata Mandira will be big. You go to the Indian traditional mandiras, where the deity is, it's a very small area, generally. And where we all congregate, that's a big area. And it's very interesting that garbhagriha in the traditional temples, will have nine, exactly nine gates. Even in Belrumat, if you go, you'll find, there are nine gates. Actually, that represents the, our human body. You will find that sometimes the temple door is closed. You ask, why the door is closed? Is the temple closed? No, no, it's open. The pujari is offering something to the deity. So food offering is going on, so the doors are closed. When the offering is over, again they will open. So what's the idea? To have communion with the one who is residing in the core of your being, in the Garbha in the sanctum sanctorum. You have to close that gates, the nine gates. And then only you can have communion with the divine. So that's the idea which has been spoken of here here so he's sitting there he's nothing not doing anything nor is the cause of any action to have a communion with him what is the thing what, what's the way out sarva karmani manasa in your mind you have to renounce all the action you will find that when all the nine gates are closed it's not that people have, have been asked to even vacate the Natamandir, where the Congregational Hall, this can still stay there. All the activities can go there. But you are the pujari, with your mind, you have to communion with the Divine who is inside, by closing these nine gates. So that's why it's called Manasa. Renounce all the actions in mind, not that physically. Sarva-karmani-manasa, sanyastha saste sukhangvashi. He can reside in eternal peace. Sukhaṁ, vashi. can reside in happiness. When? with navadwāre pūre dehi, he becomes aware of the dehi, the one who resides in this pūri, in this city of nine gates. Knowing well, he does nothing. Naiva kūrvan na So, very nicely you will find that the state which has been spoken of in the seventh verse, That state, though I have not reached, there is a process to reach it. By imitating the life of the illumined soul, that becomes my sadhana, I can reach that. And that sadhana has been described to be twofold. One is the Nishkama Karma Yoga and another is the Brahmani Adhaya, contemplating on the self. This too, when you get established in it, at last it can take you to that realization. And even when you have not reached that realization, the path itself becomes an adventurous journey because constantly you are practicing detachment which at last will take you to that state which will, speaks of spontaneity. Your practice takes you a state of spontaneity. Today's uh, imagination becomes tomorrow's realization. As Swami Turyananda used to say, Ei berali, bone gale, bon hai. Your domesticated cat, you leave it in the forest in Few, in a few months, it will just become the cat of the forest. The domesticated cat will lose the such characteristics. And what characteristic it has, it at now it knows the food is there. It is dependent on the food. It won't go for hunting foods. If you leave it in the forest in few days, it will learn. So its nature changes. So a berali bonegare the same mind, which is so attached to the world. When you train it, it can become something, which speaks of bliss and eternal joy and happiness. So after studying this, with one sentence we will end our discussion today, that the mind, as long as you allow the mind to be your master, it is the most tyrannical master. The moment you can make it your servant, it is the most obedient servant. And that's the thing (coughs) which Bhagavan through this locus is describing. (coughs) So with this we stop the discussion today. We'll continue again with the discussion again in the next class. And just an announcement, with thats our Swami. Just let me just off the.